Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Heva, and I have some weird news to share. (laughs) I never in a million years saw this coming, but I have been peeing my pants. Okay, take a moment to let that sink in and I will backtrack. Now, I, up until this past weekend, have never peed my pants. I've never peed the bed growing up. My mom said even when I was an infant in diapers, I would rarely pee in the diaper. She said I was always dry throughout the night. And she usually would just hold me over the toilet and I would just pee into the toilet. I wasn't even peeing my pants as a fucking infant. Now, I don't know what kind of disease has taken over me, but over this past weekend, I peed my pants like three times, I think. Maybe even a fourth time. The worst was... um. Sunday night, I had Stella and Dr. Dahlia over for dinner. And um, after dinner, it was like pretty late. I went to walk Samantha, my dog. And (laughs) towards the end of that walk, you know what it is? It's like the gap between when I first feel the urge, like, oh, I need to pee. And when I end up peeing my pants is very small. And it's shocking because historically, like when I feel the urge to pee, it's like I could go another six hours and still hold my pee. You know, like I've never struggled with this in the past, but something happens. It's like, I'll get the urge to pee and I'm like, cool, cool, cool you know, I'll get to a toilet eventually. And then within minutes, I'm leaking urine. So it's usually been a drop or two. But like last night was like pretty. I mean, There wasn't like a puddle on the floor or anything. But like it was more than one or two drops. Like I think I've lost my cashmere sweatpants privileges because my cashmere sweatpants got wet. Like this is a disaster. And honestly, I'm not even sure who to talk to about this. Like, I don't know if this is some kind of like physical health situation. Like, am I maybe pregnant? Am I, is it something else? Or do I need to see some kind of mental health professional? Because what the fuck is going on? But I have to say, there is like quite literally nothing funnier than peeing your pants. Like, I, (laughs) the amount that I've laughed at my own incontinence is out of this world. Like there, there's nothing funnier. Um, anyway, over the weekend I had um friends of the show, Stella and Dr. Dahlia, over for dinner. Um, such a lovely dinner. I made this like vegan treat. Um, there was, you know, shaved fennel and orange salad. There was a shaved Brussels sprout salad. Um, there were mushrooms. There was this insane truffle potato situation, like one of the fucking best things I've ever eaten. And I understand I'm talking about my own cooking and that's weird, but like it was so fucking good. Everything was so good. I'm going to post photos of everything on my Instagram stories. So be on the lookout for that. But it was so nice catching up with them. And I definitely want to have both of them on the podcast soon. Um, Stella, I really want to have on to talk about charting and not using. So she's very passionate about this, how we shouldn't use apps 
that um, predict things in our cycle, like predict when you're ovulating or predict when you're getting your period. Um, She's a fan of apps that make you manually input that data and draw conclusions on your own. Why? She will be on to tell you because I actually don't know, Um, but we'll have her on soon. Now, I did check my natural cycles earlier and I'm supposed to be getting my period like any minute now. So that would be a very welcome thing because I just feel like I have all of the PMS symptoms. Also, I feel like absolute shit today. But we're just going to power through this episode. I really like today was the day where I like really was like, this could be a week where I miss an episode. But instead, I think we're just going to do a shorter episode because they do not feel well. And you know what? Norovirus is going around. I don't think I have norovirus. I have a headache. But everyone is getting norovirus. And you know, I'm a little jealous because I'm very constipation prone and I just, I get jealous when people have diarrhea. Now, is it possible that I have like some version of norovirus like in my urine only? (laughs) Is that what's going on? I don't know. Anyway, um, so a bit of an update from last week's Vanderpump Rules situation. So Raquel Levis has issued an apology. Now, if you're not familiar, Raquel, or if you didn't listen to last week, um, Raquel was friends with Ariana. Ariana and Tom were in a long-term partnership. And I guess uh, Raquel and Tom have been having an affair for months. So Raquel put out two statements. Um, The first is an apology. I'm going to read it for you. Some of it doesn't make a ton of sense, so I might have an issue reading it. I don't think I read this last week. Did I? No, it wasn't out yet. Okay. Um, She writes, I want to apologize for my actions and choices to Ariana, my friends, and the fans so invested in our relationships. There is no excuse. I am not a victim and must own my actions. I deeply regret hurting Ariana. In the time since this coming to light, I am reflecting on my choices, speaking to a counselor, and I'm learning things about myself, such as my patterns of codependency and addiction to being and feeling loved. I have sought emotional validation through intimate connections that are not healthy without regard for my own well-being, sometimes negatively affecting others and often prioritizing the intimate connection over my friendships. I'm seeking, I'm taking steps to understand my behavior and make healthier choices. Although I chose to be on a reality show, this is the part that I think makes no sense. Although I chose to be on a reality show, accepting the good and bad that comes with it, beyond my own actions, I've been physically assaulted, lost friendships, received death threats and hate emails, in addition to having my privacy violated. I mean, I I think I understand what she's trying to communicate, but I think there's like a grammatical issue there. Um, I've begun counseling to end my unhealthy behavioral cycle, learn to set stronger emotional boundaries, and learn to protect my mental health. I don't expect sympathy, understanding, or forgiveness. Right now, I must focus on my own health and well-being as I strive to be a better person moving forward. Um, I will prioritize my mental health and learn from my mistakes. Um, She then put out a second statement that says, 
Besides the indefensible circumstances surrounding our relationship, my feelings for Tom have always been sincere and born out of a loving friendship. Knowing how many people we hurt, I need to understand my choices and learn to make better ones. I need to take care of my health, work on self-growth, and take time to be okay with being alone. I care for Tom, and I don't want to label anything or predict what lies ahead. Right now, I need to heal. I'm guessing that was in response to people questioning what like the future held for her and Tom. I'm not entirely sure. Now, here's what I want to talk about um, with Raquel. So I talked about this last week, how she has like people pleasing and codependency issues, right? And we saw that a lot in her relationship with James, which she was in for five years. He was cheating on her left, right, and center. He would kind of treat her I mean, he would treat her really well sometimes, but like not treat her really well other times. But the bigger thing was that she was always prioritizing his well-being and his needs over her own, right? Like she was completely ignoring her own needs and was constantly like hyper aware of like, oh, I don't want James to get upset. I don't want James to get angry, yada, yada, yada. And I said this last week where I feel like when you come out of a dynamic like that, where you're constantly... Um, putting everyone else's needs ahead of your own. And maybe you start therapy or maybe you just start following therapy accounts on Instagram, which it sounds like may have been her route of action. Then this thing happens where you're sometimes like overcorrecting, right? And so you just hear like, oh, I need to prioritize my own needs. And so you start prioritizing your own needs, but at the detriment of other people. Um, It sounds like she's very much validating or like confirming what I said in her statement. And also, also, what she brought up that I thought was very interesting was that she was prioritizing her like romantic, intimate connections over everything else in her life, right? And we can see that she's prioritizing being with Tom over the friendship that she has with Ariana. And I have to say, even though I've never done anything like this, I've never even, okay, I've, I mean, I've like, I've, I've definitely had like emotional affairs. I don't think I've like, physically cheated so much um like maybe uh maybe like a hair but not really I don't know (laughs) but I've never been with someone who had a partner other than when I was in law school there was this guy I had a crush on who had like a five-year partner and um we never like did anything physical but it was like definitely not ideal like I remember one time like I went back to his place after the bars and we were just hanging out for like hours like his girlfriend would have been pissed if she knew like I mean she should have been pissed if she knew you know (coughs) oh my god excuse me (laughs) okay um (laughs) um (coughs) Jesus I don't know what's going on over here um so I mean that was like super fucked up but that's the worst that I've done. Like I haven't even like kissed someone who was in a relationship, at least not knowingly, let alone if they were in a relate, like that girl, the girlfriend of the law school kid, I've never even met her. You know, what's weird. Actually, she like visited a few times and in all the times that she visited, I still never met her. 
Like she was like, not only was she not my friend, she wasn't even my acquaintance. I literally didn't even know what she looked like. Um, actually, that's not true. I saw her from far away one time. She was not cute. Um, nothing will make you feel better about yourself than your ex going on to date a girl who is like less cute than you or the guy that you like who's in a relationship is in a relationship with a girl who's like not cute. Like that is just such an instant ego boost. Okay, moving right along from that very unlikable thing that I said. That being said, I have prioritized my romantic connections over like my friendships so many times. I can't think of an example. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. Oh, I wrote this down. I have an example and it's something I don't like talking about. God, this episode is not good. Like I don't like, it's just not good. I'm so sorry. Like I, I don't feel well, but when I was in middle school, I had a huge crush on like my best friend's older brother, like a huge crush, huge, huge crush. And he was older. Like he was in high school and we were in middle school. Like it was like kind of fucked up, honestly, that he would like flirt with me and stuff. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, in the eighth grade, there was like a Halloween party or something at this girl's house. And like all the cool kids were there and I wasn't really like friends with all the cool kids. And then this made me like really not be friends with all the cool kids. Basically like he came, he drove. So he was like 16. He came and picked me up from the party and I left. And then like, I ended up going back, but everyone was so mad at me. But like, to me, like, even though it was like a party with the cool kids, like I prioritized seeing him over like hanging out with peers of my own age. So yeah, that's an example of a time where I prioritized romantic connections over friendship stuff. But I'm curious as you're listening to this, like, can you think of times where you prioritized like things in your romantic connections over everything else in your life, like work, school, friendships, yada, yada. And I, I do think as adults, as fully fledged adults, there are circumstances where you do prioritize romantic connections over friendships. Like, I don't think that's like unusual. Like, like if you're married, right, like you would pick your partner over your friends. Obviously, we can see how what Raquel did was completely different. Anyway, and I think it's different when you're younger and you're in school and stuff. But I'm curious, as you're listening, like, do you find that you can relate to the statement of like prioritizing things in your romantic life over other things in your life? And if so, then I would venture to guess that you probably have some level of like anxious attachment and maybe codependency, um, but definitely some level of anxious attachment, I would say. And also, if you don't know what I'm talking about, attachment theory is a branch of psychology where... Um, it discusses the way that human beings connect with each other. And um, there are four general attachment styles. Anxious attachment refers to kind of a preoccupation with connecting and intimacy. It's marked by a fear of abandonment, yada, yada, yada. There have been a million episodes about attachment theory. So you can go back and listen to some of those. Um, anyway, moving right along, God, the energy is just not here. I'm so sorry, guys. But like I said, it's going to be a quick episode. We're just going to power through it. And there is some good content here, but I am an unwell girl today. Um, plus, like, I don't even know how long I can go on because eventually I might pee my fucking pants. So. Okay. Um, I heard about this really interesting study. 
about sun exposure and um, romance. So researchers at Tel Aviv University have found that exposure to ultraviolet, ultra, oh my God, ultraviolet, violet, ultraviolet, ultraviolet, right? Why do I want to say ultraviolet? (laughs) Ultraviolet radiation from sunlight enhances romantic passion in humans. So in the study, both men and women were exposed to UVB, which is ultraviolet radi- ultraviolet radiation type B, um, under controlled conditions, and the findings were unequivocal. Increased levels of romantic passion in both genders. Now, UVB are sun rays at wavelengths of 320 to 400 nanometers. If that means anything to you, congratulations. It means literally nothing to me. Um, some notes from the study. UVB exposure increases circulating sex steroid levels in mice and humans. UVB exposure enhances female attractiveness and receptiveness towards males. UVB exposure increases females' estrus phase, HPG access hormone, and follicle growth. Other than follicle growth, I don't know what the rest of those things mean. And skin P53 regulates UVB-induced sexual behavior and ovarian physiological changes. Um, okay, so that's a lot of science, but some takeaways from this is to get some unpro- unprotected sunlight. Now, obviously sunlight is bad for like aging, yada, yada. And I mean, if you live somewhere like Australia, a lot of sunlight can like literally kill you. But I do think it's worth getting unprotected sunlight, not on your face and not during peak hours. So like you can go out for a morning stroll without sunscreen on or just sunscreen on your face. Again, depending on where you live, how sensitive you are, yada, yada, yada. And get some sunlight on your shoulders, on your arms, on your hands, on your legs, whatever. Um, Also, a takeaway that I'm getting from this is to go on outdoor dates, like do more dating in the outdoors if you can, because it sounds like it'll positively affect both of you. And I just want to bring this back to when I did the perineum sunning. I mean, maybe perineum sunning is like a way to go about this. I don't know. Anyway, so what I want to talk about this week are two topics that I think are very linked to each other. And the number one is confidence and number two is authenticity. And the reason I think you're they're linked is because I think it takes confidence to show up authentically. But I am going to talk about them separately at first. Um, and also the confidence portion of this is based on research presented by Mel Robbins. So just want to credit her. Uh, Okay, moving right along. Now, the way that Mel Robbins defines confidence, I really loved. Um, I don't think she made this up, by the way. I just think she strongly perpetuates it. The definition of confidence is the willingness to try. So it's showing up, being seen, trying something a bit scary. And the most important part of this is that confidence is a skill that you can build if you're just willing to try. Now, she presented three myths about confidence. The first myth is that the loudest people are confident. Um, Bravado and arrogance are not confidence. 
confidence is when you are actually afraid and you still do something. Um, the second myth is that confidence is built during like good times in your life. The reality is that confidence is actually built in like the bad moments. You know, uh, she used this quote that I really liked. Confidence is forged in fire. And the third myth is that you can lose confidence. And the reality is you cannot lose confidence. You can lose the feeling of confidence because you stopped trying. Because to go back to the definition, confidence is the willingness to try. Now, she gave five tools for building confidence. The first one, shock surprise, is to take action. Now, again, confidence is the willingness to try. So it makes sense that one way to build confidence is to take action. And she said something that I've been saying for a while, like not to make it all about me, but imposter syndrome is like kind of a good thing. Like we constantly talk about it as a bad thing, but she said it's a good thing because it means you're doing something new. Now, something I've been saying for a while is like it's normal to have imposter syndrome when you're doing something new because you are technically an imposter at it you know like it's not like how could you not have imposter syndrome if you're like just starting a new business or like just got promoted or like you know you're like putting yourself out there on social media for the first time of course you're gonna feel like an imposter you haven't been doing it and according to Mel that's a good thing it means you're trying something new and confidence is built by trying by doing by the action now Mel Robbins is famous for her five second rule And the idea of the five second rule is like when you're, I think it came about for her because she was like having a hard time getting out of bed or something. So she's like, count backwards from five and do the thing by one. So she would like lay in bed. Um, I believe this is what she's famous for. It was her first book. And like, she would count backwards from five and by one, just like fucking get out of bed and do it. So what she says is like, when you're in a situation where You want to build confidence by taking action, but you're doubting yourself, which is totally normal because you're going to have that normal imposter syndrome. Count backwards from five and just start to move by the time you reach one. So let's say like maybe you're you, you know, are trying to be more confident by sending like a text or an email saying something or like you are in class and you want to like ask a question or like you want to like start putting yourself out there on TikTok or like whatever it is. Just think of the action that you need to take, count backwards from five, and by one, just start fucking doing it. Open your phone and send that text, send that email, open your phone and record that TikTok, raise your hand in class, whatever it is, use the five second rule to give yourself courage. And she says that you can tap into courage before you get that feeling of assuredness. She says that courage comes first and confidence builds over time. So that's the first step or the first tool to build confidence. The second one is to use the power of objectivity. This is very interesting, I thought. She said, like, when you start to think thinking about how confidence will change your life, you'll still be nervous, right? So when you picture yourself, like, ask yourself, like, what would I do if I was more confident, right? Like, what are the things that I would do if I was more confident? 
And I don't know, maybe it's like I would start that side hustle I've been thinking about. I would start posting on TikTok. Maybe I would go live. I don't know why all these examples are so social media focused. Like (laughs) they don't have to be. Maybe I would like approach people on the street and ask them out. Maybe I'd be on dating apps. Maybe I would send the first message. Maybe I would like ask that dude I haven't heard from what's going on. Like think of like maybe I would go on more dates. Maybe I'd go out more like whatever that is answer is like obviously we know from tool number one you want to take that action but it can be really hard so like when you start to think thinking about what you would do differently if you were more confident instead of picturing yourself doing it you can use the quote-unquote power of objectivity and use what could be like a third party so maybe that's like a literal third party like maybe it's like someone that you admire right you're like celeb person that you look up to or like an influencer that you look up to or something like that or it could be like your future highest self so When you think like, okay, if I were more confident, I'd go on more dates. Maybe it's hard to picture yourself as the person you are today doing that. So instead you can picture this like future version of you doing that. And that will allow you to literally visualize it, which will then make it a lot easier for you to actually take those actions. And when you start acting like the person you want to become, you close the gap between where you are now and where you want to be. The third tool to build confidence is to prepare. The more you practice, the more you're trying, the more confident you'll be because reminder, confidence is the willingness to try. So think about like when you were in school. Think about the difference between a test that you were prepared for versus a test where you didn't study. You roll up to one kind of confident, you roll up to the other really fucking unconfident. So if you're really nervous about something and just can't shake the nerves, double down on preparation. So like maybe you want to start posting on TikTok, right? To promote like a side hustle that you want to start creating. Maybe practice a few times what you're going to say before you open the app and record it. Um, the fourth tool to build confidence is failure, embracing failure. Now, everything that you're doing in life is preparing you for something that hasn't happened yet. And the greatest preparation is failure. The greatest failures and the greatest heartaches you've had in life have taught you the biggest lessons. So embrace failure. It is through failure that we go to other places. I mean, think about like, I had to like kind of fail at being a lawyer. I mean, I don't, (laughs) you know, I mean, I technically am still a lawyer, but like I stopped practicing. Like I, in many ways, failed at that. I had to fail at like 20 other ideas that I had all to start this podcast. And honestly, it's through like, quote unquote, mini failures on this podcast that I learn and grow and evolve. Like this episode is a good example of a failure. I will know (laughs) to never record when I'm feeling this shitty again, but whatever, here we are. I will learn my lesson from this experience. I'm so sorry if it's your first time listening. Usually I have a lot more energy and just like, I don't know, bravado. Who the fuck knows? But you know what? 
this is building confidence for me because it's my willingness to show up, even though I know I'm not like mentally, emotionally, physically here for it right now in this moment. And it is building confidence. So yeah. Okay. The fifth tool to build confidence is to focus on yourself. No one will try for you. Learn how to stop looking at the world around you and what everyone else is doing and look in the mirror. You are the one person that you have to spend your entire life with and you have the tools and the power to change your life. And guess what? No one else has those tools and no one else has the power. Only you have them. So you need to take that action. You need to visualize yourself taking that action. You need to use that 54321 to just launch yourself into action and just keep taking action because as so long as you keep taking action, confidence will keep building. And when you start to feel like less confident, you're like, oh, I've lost confidence. No, you haven't lost shit. You just haven't been taking action. But as soon as you start again, you will start to build that confidence up again. Okay, now we're going to move on to authenticity. Now, I kind of made up this No, I did not make up this definition of authenticity, (laughs) but I read a lot of different definitions and this is the one that resonated the most with me. So to be authentic is to be true to your own personality, values, and spirit, regardless of the pressure that you're under to act otherwise. And I think that second prong is the most important thing. I think that we're all born completely authentic, but the world starts to pressure us to be inauthentic, right? And there are so many examples of that, like a kind of dumb one, but like, let's say as a kid, you loved the color pink, but someone told you like one of your classmates was like, pink isn't cool. So you switch your favorite color to purple, right? Dumb example, but you get the idea. Um, slightly deeper example, let's say like your soul, you were born on this planet to live a nomadic lifestyle. You deep down in your soul want to buy a van and just live the van life and travel around the country and have like some kind of like digital nomad work where you can pick up and do it wherever and just not have a lease and not pay rent and just travel all over and experience different cultures and things like that. But the reality of your life right now is you have a nine to five job and you barely get to travel. So you are living outside of your authenticity. But what probably happened is your entire childhood, you received messages that education and a stable job is good and that being nomadic is irresponsible and flaky and like not adult enough and like your parents or community wouldn't approve. And this can come via like very little things. Let's say like you were a little kid and your cousin graduated college and got this like corporate job and you hear your parents be like, oh my God, good for Mike. Like, what an amazing job that Mike got. And so you receive the message like this is what is good and this is what is lovable and deviating from this makes you unlovable. And guess what? We all have an evolutionary need to be loved and accepted. So when you start to like receive messages that this would make you love and loved and accepted and this would make you not 
loved and accepted, then you internalize that message because if you are not loved and accepted, our brains go to like, I will die and I will do anything to be loved and accepted because that's how we stayed alive historically, right? So you start to deny the parts of yourself that wants a more nomadic life and you start to fall in line with like, get that education, get that coin, get that nine to five, get that stable career job because that is what's going to make me be loved and accepted. So to go back to this definition of authenticity, you're true to your own personality, values, and spirit, regardless of the pressure that you're under to act otherwise. That pressure starts the minute that we are born, and it comes from often really dumb and innocuous ways. And our jobs now, I think, are to shed all of those layers of conditioning that we've received from the world to be that have pressured us to be someone that we're actually not. And towards the end of this episode, which hopefully will be in a few minutes, I will talk about tools of like figuring out who that authentic person is. But first, I want to talk about what it means to show up authentically. Ultimately, I think it's really like you have to really look at why you say the things that you do and do the things that you do. And is that coming from an authentic place or is it coming from an inauthentic place? So like in dating, to be authentic in dating is like every text, every phone call, everything you say on a date, every word on your dating app profile, etc., all comes from a genuine place and has no ulterior motives. Now, I have a lot of examples of how you can be inauthentic in dating, and actually every single one of these examples comes from me personally. So going back to when I first got dating apps for like a hot second when I was in law school or right after law school or something, I had on my Hinge profile that I loved fantasy football. Why did I have that on my Hinge profile? Because I wanted to come off as cool. I wanted to come off as chill. I wanted to come off as fun. I wanted to come off as like one of the guys, like the type of girl that you fall in love with because it's like hanging out with your bros, but she's also hot. That's why I put that on my dating app profile. That's a really clear example to me of inauthenticity. Now, To me, it's less relevant whether I actually liked fantasy football or not, because the reason that I put it on my dating app profile was for an inauthentic reason. So even if I did really love fantasy football, I think the only way me putting it on my dating app profile would have been authentic is if I loved it so much that I wanted people to know this about me because like either I want you to play fantasy football with me or just know what's going to take up a good amount of my time, right? That would have been an authentic reason to put fantasy football on my dating app profile. But whether I actually like it or not, I actually think is very irrelevant or not very irrelevant, but it's not super relevant to this discussion of like authenticity. Another example of something I used to do in dating that was really inauthentic. I maybe like, I remember one time I was out and I ordered a steak, even though what I really wanted was salmon. Obviously this was all before I was vegan. But the reason I ordered the steak was because I thought it made me look more cool and more like one of the guys. I mean, a theme that you're going to find is a lot of like various ways that I've been inauthentic in my life was out of this like intense desire to come off as someone who's like very chill and like one of the guys and like not like doesn't have girly interests and likes, which speaks volumes about my own internalized misogyny 
throughout all these phases of my life. Nevertheless, I ordered steak because it seemed more like bro-y, right? Um, another thing I've done like on dates, like I've talked about how my exes were so needy. The reason I talked about that is because I wanted to mask my own anxious attachment, neediness, and insecurity, and I wanted to come off as really cool and chill and easygoing. So talking about other people's neediness was my convoluted way of trying to communicate like I'm not needy, which was like factually incorrect, but that's neither here nor there. Um, another form of inauthenticity. There are so many times where I wanted to have sex, like I really, really wanted to have sex, but I wouldn't have sex because I had this like thing in my head where I was like, if I sleep, if I put out, then like he's going to lose interest. So I've just string him along for like months so that he falls in love first. And then I can put out because then it'll be safe for me. Right. That's a form of inauthenticity. It's a, it's a game. Um, Another one was like I used to always ask friends for advice on like what to text back to a guy and like how long to wait before responding, things like that. Obviously, when you're outsourcing your own actions and words to someone else, that is very clearly inauthentic. So like going back to dating, like look at everything that you say, everything that you do and ask yourself why you're doing these things. And if you have an ulterior motive for something that you're saying or doing, that is inauthentic. Now in friendships, I think again, being authentic is like every text, every phone call, everything you say, everything you do, everyone you choose to be friends with comes from a genuine place and has no ulterior motives. Um, examples of things I've seen like recently in authenticities that I've seen in friendship dynamics. Um, I have a friend who has a friend who like will regularly ask her about like like a trips or vacations or plans or th this or that. But the reason that she asks her about these things is because she wants my friend to be like, what have you been up to so that she can talk about her own vacations, trips, exam, whatever. So like if you're someone who like will ask someone something, just waiting for them to ask back instead, just just offer that information. If you want to talk about something, just talk about it. You don't have to like do this like dance to try to get them to ask you. Just ask. Just ask. Um, something I used to do was I remember like back in the Facebook days, like remember you would like post on other people's walls for their birthday because like Facebook would be like, oh, it's this person's birthday. Like wish them a happy birthday. I remember I used to post on other people's walls for their birthdays because I wanted them to post on my birthday. So especially leading up to my birthday, I'd be like really vigilant about saying happy birthday to people. It's not because I actually wanted to wish them a happy birthday. It's because I wanted them to post on my wall when it was my birthday so that I didn't feel like a big fat loser and no one's saying happy birthday to them. I see people do this with Instagram. Like people will like, like you think about it. Like the last time you, like, you know, people will do the stories like Instagram, happy birthday thing. I, by the way, do not participate in that. Like I will not post on my stories for anyone's birthday. Um, but think about like if you've done that, did you do it because like you really wanted to wish them a happy birthday in this very public way? Or was it on some level because you're like, well, when it's my birthday, I want them to post about my birthday so that I can repost it and I don't look like a big fat loser.
if that's kind of what's going on on some level, then that would be an example of inauthenticity. Um, another example is like choosing friends best based on like their social cachet or like how cool they would make you look. Um, the last thing I have on this, and I think that we all have done this at various points, is pretending to be someone you're not just to keep the friendship alive. I've done this a lot. Um, like you know, one of my two best friends in law school. I remember our friendship was like so based on like being negative and complaining and like uh, th- like hating the same people and shit like that. And I actually am not like that negative of a person. And I remember I was like really going through a lot of like healing and growth and stuff during this phase. And I remember I kept being like, but like, but I would go back, I'd revert to like that intense negativity so that I could keep my friendship alive with her. And when we stopped being friends, I was able to like really, truly be a lot more authentic to who I am. I have this with a friend right now, if I'm being fully honest, it's a little bit different, but it's like our values and views on the world are not aligned. And I really love her and she's a really good friend of mine, but like, I don't really like talking to her about anything because like her take on things is like wrong because like, she's not like a huge, like, you know, she's not, she's not like, I mean, I'm sure she's done some therapy, but she's not like as deep as we get on this show. Right. So there are certain things that like, maybe she doesn't fully grasp and I like, won't like, she'll make comments. Like the other day she was like making a comment about how, Um, my relationship with Ozzy is good because I now have other things in my life that I'm passionate about. And it's like, no, actually that's incorrect. I'm able to have other things in my life that I'm passionate about and have this really good relationship with Ozzy because I first did that inner work, right? It's not like other times in my life I didn't have other things going on when I was dating people. It's that I was willing to sacrifice everything else in my life for the person I was dating because I had that anxious attachment. So like, I just kind of like went along with what she said because it didn't feel worth it to like explain this. And it's like, you know, so like that's an area where I think I'm being like a bit inauthentic in that friendship, but like more accessible examples are like, think about like friends you used to have that you like partied with a lot. And then like, maybe like, let's say you don't party as much anymore, but you feel the pressure to like drink when let's say you don't want to drink just so that you can, uh, like continue fitting in with these friends or like, uh, drugs, gossip, whatever. But it can also be think things that we think of as like good. Like, let's say you have a group of friends who are like really into exercise and like, you're not really, but like you kind of put it on for them so that you can keep those friendships going or like friends that you, I don't know, study at the library with. I've done that a lot. Oh my God. Where like studying at the library isn't necessarily the best for me, but I would like do it just to like continue having friends or whatever. Um, in relationships of all types, I mean, again, like being authentic is like all of your actions and all of your words come from a genuine place and there's no ulterior motives. So like things I've done or things I've seen is like, for example, bringing something up that someone else did instead of just asking for the thing. So like um, an example, I saw this on a TV show, but like the, the chick is like, oh, like 
so-and-so's boyfriend um, and her are like so cute together or like, oh, like let's say like Mary's boyfriend always buys her flowers. Isn't that cute? Now, this isn't the most egregious example of inauthenticity, but let's say like like the reason that you're bringing this up is because you want your boyfriend to bring you flowers. It's sure it's like one way you could do that, but you could just directly be like, hey, I'd love it if you bought me flowers from time to time. Like that would make me really happy. Right. Like that would be being fully authentic. Is this the most egregious form of inauthenticity? No, but I'm just trying to illustrate exactly what I mean by like being authentic is when your actions and your words don't have ulterior motives. Um, Another example, I see this a lot is making excuses to call or text. I mean, this is like the old leave behind thing, right? I've done it a thousand times. I remember the first time Ozzy slept over, he left his scarf at my place and I like the way I hung on to that scarf is like fucking currency so that like one day if I like wasn't hearing from him I could be like oh like I still have your scarf by the way or like whatever my parents even do this like sometimes like when they miss me instead of just like calling and being like hey miss you wanted to see what's up they'll make an excuse to call me like oh I just wanted to see if like blah 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 like that's inauthenticity and Another thing that we see in relationships a lot, I think, is like pretending that you're happy in this relationship when you're not actually happy. And I think a really good giveaway of this, like if you're kind of like hearing this and you're like, fuck, am I doing this? Is do you have a hard time saying anything negative about the person that you're dating or the situation? Like I had this with the comedian when I was like really unhappy in the relationship, but I was really in denial about it. I remember I was in somatic therapy one time with um, my somatic therapist, Andrea Lee, who has been on the show before first episode of 2022. I remember she was like, what do you not like about the comedian? And I couldn't list anything. And the reason I couldn't list anything is because I was working so hard to deny to myself that I was unhappy that I couldn't even bear the thought of anything that I like didn't like about him or the situation. Um, other places where we see a lot of inauthenticity, in my opinion, are like when you're in a fight with someone, especially like a fight in a romantic context. So again, like in a fight, to be authentic is like everything you're saying and doing is coming from a genuine place and has no ulterior motives. Now, I have been inauthentic in fighting almost exclusively. Some of the examples of things that I've done is um, storming out when I wanted them to chase me. Like I didn't actually want space to like storm out in an authentic way. It's like you actually need space. But like I didn't actually need space. What I wanted was for them to chase after me. Um, in fights, one thing I've done a ton of is like saying that I want to break up when I actually just want them to like fight for me. Like saying that you want to break up when you don't want to break up is obviously inauthentic. And I would look at like, what do you actually want? Um, you know, saying you need space when you really want to work things out. Like all of these are just examples of being inauthentic. So now here is what I recommend for like, quote unquote, finding your authenticity. First, I have a number of journal prompts that I'm going to read to you. 
and then tell you what you should do afterwards. So first, think about your childhood and journal out the answers to these questions. What were your interests? When you daydreamed, what did you picture? What were your favorite books, movies, and TV shows? What characters in those books, movies, and TV shows did you gravitate towards? What are some of your favorite childhood memories? Now, think about your adolescence and answer a very similar set of questions. What were your interests? When you daydreamed, what did you picture? What were your favorite books, movies, and TV shows? What characters in those books, movies, and TV shows did you gravitate towards? How did you, what did you spend most of your time thinking about? And how did you picture your adult self? And now the last set of journal prompts are for kind of the present moment. If you had all of the money in the world, what would you spend your days doing? What are your favorite books, TV shows, and movies now? What characters in those books, TV shows, and movies do you gravitate towards? Who are some people that you can't stop consuming? Now, these are people whose Instagram stories you check first, podcasts you listen to, newsletters that you read. Like, is there anyone that you are just like, you will consume whatever they put out? What's something you're passionate about but have never talked about? If you could design the perfect life, what would it include? Last journal prompt to answer in your journal, I want you to write down the answers for all of these things, is when your mind wanders, what do you visualize or think about? Okay, now when you're done with your answers to all of these journal prompts, I want you to look through the answers and see if there are any through lines and trends. So for example, when I answer all of these questions, some trends that I see is like, number one, there's a lot of emphasis on like beauty and aesthetics. So like as a kid, I would uh, really like characters in TV shows and stuff who I thought were pretty. I daydreamed a lot about like being pretty when I grew up because I was not a cute kid. Um, nowadays, I fantasize a lot about like home decor and style and just like aesthetics of things, color combinations, you know, things like that. Like even like branding, um, fucking like my Instagram, keeping the colors going, how to design food. Like there's just a lot of emphasis on aesthetics. Um, another through line or trend that I saw massively was like love and romance. Like I was absolutely obsessed as a kid. A hundred percent of my fantasies as a kid involved having a boyfriend. Now I have a podcast about love and dating. Makes perfect sense. Um, another through line I see a lot in my answers are like health and wellness and just like a general like general interest towards making myself like the best version of myself. And like, I just get geek out so hard on the science and things like that. Another through line is like fun and community. A lot of like my daydreams and fantasies, both as a child and now involve, um, you know, just like general having fun and being in social settings. A lot of like the TV shows that I gravitate towards, all of them have like a very strong sense of community in them. 
And then one thing that's like almost kind of cringe to admit, but like there's this through line of like being seen. So a lot of like my favorite memories from childhood were like being in school plays or even sharing in class, like being in front of the class talking Um, things that I'd like daydream and fantasize about a lot or like doing live shows, connecting with audiences, growing my platform, reaching more people. Now I had to do a lot of inner work to even be able to admit that to myself because I thought it was like so cringy and like attention needy and like not a great thing but now that I've done work around it like I no longer deny it in myself so look at your answers and see what through lines you can find and once you're done finding trends close your eyes take some deep breaths to like really relax and see if you can visualize your most authentic self. So get really detailed. Like what does your most most authentic self look like? Um, What clothes are they wearing? What's their hairstyle? Like what's the physical environment? Like when I picture my highest self, I picture her in this apartment I think like on the west side of Manhattan, it's like close to the water and kind of high up. Like I I picture this like home that my highest self is in. I picture like this all white outfit. How are they carrying themselves? Like spend as much time as you can connecting with this version of you in this visualization. And do it regularly and try to connect regularly. So that is like your most authentic self. But then the other layer of like connecting with your authenticity is getting rid of the pain, shame, and trauma that you have experienced in your life that made you disconnect from this authentic self. So like an example I gave is like, I think I have like a soul level, deeply authentic need to be seen. Like I like getting attention. I'm a Leo rising, right? But I suppress that within myself for most of my life because I had received various kinds of messages growing up that that's not a desirable thing, that like you should let other people get the spotlight and you shouldn't seek it out. So I had to do a lot of trauma reprocessing work around things like that. Going back to the example I gave about the person who maybe like their authenticity is like to be really nomadic and travel around, but they're living so out of alignment with that. They would need to do some trauma reprocessing work around every single instance where someone communicated that this isn't okay, right? So the example I gave of the parents maybe praising the cousin who got a sit-down job. So once you kind of figure out what you're like, what seems to align with your authenticity, think about like everything you've experienced in life that told you to step away from these things, right? Like for me, again, like beauty and aesthetics is something I was in denial about or even romance like I received so many messages growing up that like oh like cool likable girls aren't obsessed with having a boyfriend boys just fight over them and like you know being really into aesthetics is like girly and vapid and like it makes you not smart and not deep so I would go through and address every single one of those instances in 
trauma reprocessing, however you do it. Obviously, if you're in the Blush Academy, there's guided meditations that can help you do that. If not, whatever works for you. But like really figure out what were all these instances in life where the universe told you, like people around you told you that you, without directly saying it, but like in one way or another, you received the message that like what is actually authentic to you is not acceptable. And so you started suppressing that thing. Okay, so to recap, confidence and authenticity, in my opinion, are the two most attractive things in the world, right? Like if you are a confident, authentic little bitch, like look out world, like look the fuck out because there is nothing that you can't do. The problem is that we have been fed that like confidence is something that you either have or you don't. And the entire world has conspired to take us away from our authenticity. So to find out who your most authentic self is, go through those journal prompts, do the visualization, and then find what exactly has been in the way of your authenticity all of these years. And then just start taking action to build that confidence and just start showing up as that person. So the most important question I would say out of everything that I read here today is if ask yourself if I was the best the most authentic the most confident version of myself today what would I be doing differently list out everything and then see which small steps you can take day by day to close that gap between who you are today and that best most confident most authentic version of you Thank you so much for sticking through this episode. I know it was an absolute shit show. Um, Truly not my finest work, but I do think there's really good content in here. So if you enjoyed this episode, if you took something from it, I would appreciate it so much if you could leave a review. It helps the show so much. It helps me accomplish my goals of being seen more. Just kidding. But you know, I'm passionate about this shit. And the more people hear the podcast, the more it can spread and the more people we can help together. So if you could take a few minutes and leave a review, if you could share the episode, it would mean so much to me. Love you guys. Talk next week. And um, hopefully I'll have learned from this week and learn from my failure and learn from my mistakes and show up feeling better. Okay, bye.